Father God, thank you, Lord, for this church, the fact that we are able to gather, Lord, even with the restricted environment that we have. We just uh, praise you for that. Uh, We ask for your continued guidance as we work through uh, making sure that we're in alignment with the guidelines and spirit and intent as we can, Lord, and uh, just uh, thanks again. And we also uh, thank you for those graduates, Lord, a huge milestone and accomplishment. Um, We ask that they'll continue to to focus on you for guidance and as they move forward into the next phases of their lives, Lord, and toward additional or other milestones that they've got ahead of them, Lord, because you are the the true light and guiding light for them, so we just uh, thank you for that. Um, Lord, and for the message this evening, we know that your hand is on it. We thank you for that. We praise you. It's in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Hey, uh, good evening, because it is is evening here. we're going forward with this series. I've been excited about it for some time. We've strategically, we think we strategically placed it uh, at this part of, of the history of, of our country right now because many people are leaving strict guidelines. The sheltering in place, uh, now we're free to move about our worlds as, as best we can. Some are returning to work. Some restaurants are open for dining. Uh, mask and social distancing appropriate. Churches, we are thrilled to be open, and we actually have some people here tonight. Hi, peeps. Thanks for coming. Woo! We ought to do a wave or something like that back across the way. Here we go. Uh, you heard that thunderous applause? That wasn't for me. That was, they're here. Uh, but anyway, we're going forward. We're returning to public life. Uh, whether we're choosing to or not, many are staying home at this particular time. Uh, enjoying each other, uh, getting time together, and, and being extra safe. And, and we kind of encourage that as we go forward. Uh, but again, whether you're, you're returning to public life or not, uh, we've learned a lot about ourselves, at least I have, uh, over the last several weeks, and the relationships and the things that are before us. Uh, some people have had a great time being put in time out. I had a, I had a son who was a born reader, and you put him in time out, it was, that was heaven to him. Because you put him in the room and, and he didn't have to deal with us. And so he thought time out was good. Some people have enjoyed this social time out that we've been involved with for the last uh, several months, actually, if you, if you put it all together. Uh, it's been a good time. My wife and I have enjoyed walking. We're actually cooking together, uh, having a lot of quality time, just talking. And it seems, although we're, we're both working, is that the pace is, has cranked down quite a bit. So some people are, are really enjoying it. There's good reports. Some parents have been telling us they've had a great opportunity to connect with their kids, to actually build a relationship and with some rules on turning off social media so they'll be able to talk to each other as they go through it. Spend quality time. Some are now considering, uh, many parents in the church are considering homeschooling. Because they had the kids at home, they, they went through some, some time with them, and they're finding out that it's not such a daunting task uh, to teach with the curriculum uh, that's made available to them. Many are out even now researching curriculum, uh, either the school paid for, private or Christian or whatever it is, lots of curriculum. If you need help with that and you're considering that, please let us know. Uh, we'd be glad to be part of that. Uh, it, it, it moves us back into a home environment. They're investigating the programs. Again, uh, we really want to encourage that as much as we can. Uh, It's really good. Sheltering in place has helped families, has helped many relationships. But that's not the total story. Uh, There there have not all been good experiences. 24-7 togetherness, 
isolation has been a trial and for some just plain painful that we've talked to. Relationships have struggled in this new normal. Uh, I know one guy, his wife, <laughs> I think I can share this, he and his wife were sheltering in place at home and working at home and after a couple you know weeks or so they were kind of getting on each other's area and space so he got thrown out to a camper trailer uh we're, we're praying that he'll be reunited with his family before this is too down far down the road uh but it's been challenging though quite honestly they they handled that well it was kind of an interesting thing and he is back in the house but things have been happening. People and families have been tested. Calls for domestic violence. One of the things that was first reported was with this sheltering in place at home. Uh, there was a lot of police calls uh, for, for arguing, for, uh, for abuse back and forth, for domestic violence of one thing or another. Uh, kids and parents, many cases, have, have just been hanging on, both parents and kids praying for school to start again. Now, that's unusual for the kids. Normal. For the parents. Uh, we just finished a seven-week series on mental health and emotional issues as a church, uh, and it seemed to be needed. Uh, talking about fear, anger, loneliness. The last week was deception. Challenging times. Sad thing, and I think many of us have read it in the newspapers, across the board, all age groups, suicide has significantly increased during this time. And the COVID's not over. We really don't understand the processes, the transmission, what, all that yet. Uh, but we do know uh, that uh, in the United States, we, we've had significant number of cases. Uh, 1.95 million, 111,000 people have died. Worldwide, which is still exploding in certain parts of the world, uh, COVID is still going around. Now, the results and the economic pandemic that's following us is all real. Now, but things seem to be coming to a stable point. And then, and then, just we had hope of moving forward. Now as a nation, uh, and the conscience of every, really, citizen has been shaken. May 25th, 2020, everyone knows this, uh, the execution of George Floyd, 46-year-old uh, African-American, Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, Police officer with number of years of experience, actually a training officer, uh, Derek Chauvin, uh, who was sworn to protect George Floyd, uh, became the judge, the jury, and the executioner, all captured on cell phone video. Well, three other uh, officers witnessed this. Even though they tried to intervene, uh, they have now all been charged uh, and will be brought up for trial. Video coverage showed the world uh, really some of the historic and systemic inequalities and prejudice uh, and our lack of justice for certain people in our country. It's been put on the front. His execution has just unleashed a tsunami of demonstrations and uh, different events. We just had one in Ridgecrest today of uh, people out demonstrating uh, for social justice inside of our country. Some have turned violent, looting, uh, crowds chanting Black Lives Matter and I can't breathe. Now more, really, than any other time, the followers of Jesus Christ need to respond to the situation, the life, the pandemic, the economic pandemic, COVID-19, and the social uh, earthquake, really, that we're living through. Uh, we can't put our walls up and go and social isolate and ignore it and say it doesn't affect us. Our, our hope is really simple. 
We want to leave all this behind. We want COVID-19 totally over. We want the economic problems solved. And we, for sure, as Christ followers, we, we want the issues of social justice worked through inside of our country. That's what we all want. That's really what we all pray for. So how do we connect? How do we take really what I'm going to call God's most powerful force and apply it to each of these situations that we've talked about? Quite simply, God's power, God's force, is the power of love. We say that in some offhand manner and, and something that we say is really, really simple, but God uses love to change people. He uses love to change the world. Uh, the verses that many of us are familiar with, and I, I want to catch the first words of that first verse, God demonstrates. He demonstrates. We've had a lot of demonstrations going on. God had a demonstration too. God demonstrated his own love for us while we were sinners. He demonstrated. He showed without, without doubt the the historicity of Christ's life, his, his ministry, his death for us, and his resurrection, of course. These are historical facts. He's, it's demonstrated for us while we were sinners when we did not deserve it. And, and this love that he unleashes on us, really, undeservedly, is meant, that power is meant to transform us. It's to transform me. It's to transform you. It's to transform our hearts, our attitudes, our behaviors. Literally, everything about us should not, be, should not uh, avoid the power of God's love. And here's, here's what he says our response would be. And, and, and I've talked about this often. This is the most rational response that we could have. You know, when... God sends his son to die for us. A rational response to see Christ paying for our sins is love. And, and so his love comes to us and we respond to it. We love God because of his love for us with all of our heart, our soul, you know, that, that heart and soul is the inner of who I am. Who, that's who Bill is. It isn't the exterior, studly-looking, wonderful male specimen that you see in front of you. It was better when we didn't have an audience, you know. You, you just assume everyone was enjoying it. And, but anyway, uh, but our soul, our heart, everything pours out in love for the living God. And our mind, you know, we, we transform our mind with love. Love does change minds. It changes thought patterns. It changes everything. It changes our attitudes, as we'll see later. That's the first and the greatest commandment, that we love God. We lay our lives in front of you. And because that happens, we're transformed by his love as we respond to him. But the second is like it. Because to a certain extent, the, the love God is, is something that we do. But the most practical demonstration of our love for God is loving our neighbor. Loving our husbands, our, our wives, you know, our kids, you know, our parents, everyone. Love our neighbor. Love the ones across the street. Love the ones of different race, of economic status, of background. Love our neighbor. And, and, and God sets an interesting standard. Love them as we love ourselves. 
There's a Bible verse that says man loves himself. He, he always feeds himself, cuddles himself, takes care of himself. And the first concern is always himself. And so this is saying that. Love, love your neighbor, you should love yourself. Two commands sums up the whole Bible. 66 books, tens of thousands of verses are all summed up in love God and love your neighbor. The transformed life, the power of God is released in us, to us, and through us to other people. God's love is, and it's interesting, uh, we live in a culture where we love everything from, from pizza to ice cream. Uh, people, some people even love their cats, I, never mind. The, uh, we love our pets, we love our cars, we love our football teams, we wear their jerseys proudly. We love everything, but there's a real love. Is God's love, a special love set aside that's humble. It doesn't seek its own. It's unselfish. It serves other people. It's unconditional. It, it can't be earned. It's just given. It's, it, and here's the point of this part of this whole series, is that God's love flows out of God's nature in us. You see, God doesn't love. He is love. Uh, some of the verses that talk about nothing can separate us from the love of God because that's who he is. We have to change God, and that's not possible. And it's never-ending. Nothing can take it away. You know, the, the, the most heinous sinner in hell is still loved by God. And I think the greatest pain in hell is that knowledge for them. They know. They know God's love and, and what was there for them. This is, this is God's power turned loose. So we're going to talk about God's power in relationships, how to connect with other people. Today we're talking about connecting with God. Very, very simple first step, obviously, because if we don't connect with God, we got nothing to pass on. We come to the party empty. Uh, now, we'll, we'll talk about uh, connecting with people that are different from us. We'll talk about marriage. We'll talk about parenting. We'll talk about people that maybe we should social distance from for their safety and ours. Today, it's simple. We make the statement that healthy, functional, godly relationships are built on a foundation of love. Not the Hollywood tee-hee love. Not the self-love put forward by psychologists. And for sure not the free love that's thrown around our culture without commitment so common today. But on God's love, that unchanging, humble love that's available to each of us. And we'll be testing each other through each of these weeks uh, to see it demonstrated inside of our lives. He, he, Jesus dies for sinners to remove sin, paid for on the cross. That's real power. That's measurable. His love, his sacrifice changed the world we live in, guys. Most powerful demonstration of wisdom, power that, that transformed the world, um, became the foundations of countries. Uh, as we go forward, including our own. It's undeniable, but here's the point today. It's undeniable, it's demonstrated, and it's measurable. We can quantify. We can see it. We can see when someone is, is moving in a humble, unselfish love, and, and we can see when people aren't. We can see people moving in love, and we can see the absence of love in people's life as we go forward. Uh, demonstrate our love for him and inside of our heart, our soul, we look inside. Is our reality 
we're honest with ourselves, that our heart loves God with everything we've got? Do we love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength? Is he really our heartbeat? But here's the thing. Uh, you see the external manifestation of me, but there's also an external manifestation of Jesus Christ in me and in you. It's measurable. It's known. Uh, there is an external. There is something that other people can look at uh, when they look. Do we look like God? Is there, you know, this is, these, these questions to getting ready for this have been, have been fun, thinking about giving them to you, but they've been challenging to me. Because you have to stop. You have to take that step back and look at the evidence. Look at the evidence presented. Look at the evidence inside of us. Do we have God's love? Do we think with his love? Do we have a worldview? When we look at other people, do we see them the way God sees them through his eyes? And do people see us acting that way? Uh, is our worldview personal opinions, or is it defined by love, or is it defined by the philosophies and wisdom of this world? Make no mistake, how we love God defines how we love our mates, our friends, our kids. All the things that are important to us, the measuring stick is God's love. That's the comparison. That's, that's the bar that we go to and look at. You know, this, and it's measurable. I want to emphasize that as we go along. You know, over time, my experience of, of Christian couples is sooner or later, the, the worldly love uh, is still an underlying emotional thing there. But a husband and a wife or a father and a child and uh, all of these relationships will start to look at other people and we'll start to see the real them. We'll see a humbling, a softening, a quicker to apologize, a quicker to serve. We'll see the manifestation of Jesus Christ in that person. We'll see his love coming out, and, and we'll know it. The kids will know it. Ultimately, our coworkers, students around the week, if we're following Christ and we're carrying out his heart, mind, and soul, and strength, we're loving other people. It's quantifiable. Now, a little, a little bit uh, uh, background here. Uh, over 40 years ago, my wife and I and three kids moved to Ridgecrest, California. Uh, our first day was like May 15th, and it was like 112. Welcome to Ridgecrest. Uh, and we didn't know how to use a swamp cooler. We had to call housing on the base to say, hey, it's really hot in here. Is you new to Ridgecrest? Yeah, open the windows. I also had them all closed. They wouldn't let the kids walk in and out the door. I wanted that cold air inside. Ridgecrest people understand what I just said. Uh, most of you out there that don't use swamps are uh, maybe clueless. But we moved here. Uh, I was a Marine Corps pilot assigned at that time to a squadron called the X-5. It was a test, an operational test and evaluation squadron. I was sent here uh, mid my military career. I'd been in at that time 12 years. Uh, to be an operational test pilot, test new weapon systems, uh, test new uh, aircraft, platforms, everything. You know, all the, it was interesting, and, and here's where the point comes in. Uh, 
as I was directing flight and test operations of a new helicopter, uh, attack helicopter, uh, I got all the money and all the flying I wanted. I want to thank you taxpayers for indulging a really great, wonderful period of my life, giving me toys to play with, gas to go, a maintenance crew, and an open schedule. So just get that thank you out of the way right away. But the point is, flying operational tests, uh, in my particular case, was done here, it was done at Yuma Proving Grounds. But one thing that took place with every test flight was careful monitoring by sensors, cameras, and instrumentation on the aircraft, on the weapons, on the targets that we were using. Everything was carefully uh, watched. The, and the same thing at China Lake, when they, an airplane launches, they, they know where it goes. It's constantly being monitored by multiple sites. A missile is launched. They know the airspeed, the altitude, the attitude that it went out on. Everything is being plotted. Uh, computers are whizzing all around, gathering all this data. The missile tracking is watched, accuracy recorded, and when it impacts, people go out and do a BDA, a battle damage assessment. Now, how effective was that weapon as we go forward? The reason for all this recording and all this gathering of data is pretty simple. We want the most bang for our buck. We want the best weapon systems for the warfighters. We want to send them equipment that we've tested and we know that works. We don't want desk jockeys, politicians, and uh, making these decisions. We want real data going out. Now the point. There's one. Uh, real love, God's love, is measurable. Don't think it's not. It's objective. Uh, it can see, be seen in our lives. Our love for God is demonstrated in our response to Jesus Christ. Our response, our personal, internal, mental, soul, heart response to standing before Christ on the cross in our minds is transforming. It, it transforms us, and other people see the transfer, transformation that goes forward. You know, he has an impact on us, and our love has an impact on our relationships and other people. As, as he laid down his life for us, his love demands, commands, directs, and empowers us to lay down our lives for other people. This is not high-spun, high-flutin philosophy. This is day-to-day -day life. This is making moment-by-moment decisions to do what is right for someone else because we follow God. You know, and, and if we call ourselves a follower of Christ and, and we work in any public environment or move with, with friends that aren't Christian, trust me, they're watching. You wear a T-shirt, you wear a bumper sticker. Well, you don't wear a bumper sticker if your car wears a bumper sticker. But if it's somehow you put yourself forward, you have plaques on your walls, on your desk, you're a Christian, they're watching and they're not normally watching with a friendly eye. They're watching with a cri critical evaluation. If you're uh, in relationships or in a job situation where the preponderance of the people are not Christian, trust me, they're watching it, and you will hear about it. So, you know, uh, uh, a concept is everything we do is involved with missions. We have a mission team at Crossroads. 
but we all are on mission. My wife and I were driving around Bakersfield. We were remodeling our house. We wanted to go to a big tile store over there. And, and so we were going in one direction, and, and somehow the place we were going was behind us. I had to flip a U. And so went through a, uh, a church parking lot. It was in a weekday, so it was fairly safe to do that. But as we came to the exit where you go out, and this is where all the churchgoers would go, there was a big sign, and this I found out later this is a common sign. It says, you are now entering your mission field. As you drive out of that church, as we walk out of this church, we're entering our mission field. But the truth is, when we go to our job, that's a mission field. When we go to our home, that's a mission field. When you walk into any, when you walk into Home Depot, wonderful exercise. But I need to know when I go there that I'm not just there to squander my wife's money. I'm actually there on a mission field and on a mission. So when I deal with people inside of that, uh, I act that way. You know, kind of a side comment in the times that we live in, wearing our mask. You guys wearing your mask. When I wear my mask, I, I go into public and half the people don't and, and maybe the employees don't. But I do. How could I not? I don't know how COVID's passed. You know, I don't want to give it to someone else. It's not about me. We know it's not personal protection. It protects other people. But we're all on a mission field. And what are people looking for? Well, they're looking for love. Are we showing it? Jesus said, I, uh, a new commandment I give to you, that you, you love one another. Just as I've loved you, so you're to love other people. You take my love and pass it on. And that's how people will know. It's, it's the... Uh, unstoppable advertisement of a Christmas or Christian life, uh, not a T-shirt. People are watching. And, and so how do we go with that? What do we do with that as we go forward uh, looking at that? Jesus said, look at your life. What does it look like? You know, there's a, there's a Bible verse that's, that's quoted on a lot of wall plaques and everything else. It comes out of 1 Corinthians 13, and it's actually a description of love. It's a description of godly love. And, and, and we're to say that love is patient, kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not a total control freak. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice with wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That love never fails. That's the love we're to show. Now, is that the way we are all the time? That's our heart to be that way. But none of us have perfected it. We, we don't have it down. It's, it's not game, set, match. I won. I'm always showing love. No. But we're always striving to show love. We have a standard that we follow. And, and Paul, the apostle, said, I haven't obtained it yet or become perfect. But here's what he did, and here's what we do. We press on for the goal. We continue to press on to show love in situations. And, and actually, the more uncomfortable it is, the harder it is, the more it's important to show love. We press on. We forget our failures. Not, don't strive to not repeat them. But we forget what's behind us. We reach for what's ahead of us. We press on for the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's, that's love. And so we, we start doing that. So... Uh, for what Christ has done, we want to pass it on to other people. We, 
none perfect. Now, what does it look like? Uh, what's the fruit of our life? I love this. When you get squeezed, what comes out? If you're not sure, ask the one closest to you. They'll tell you. <laughs> she just laughed at me. Uh, thank you, wife. Uh, but here's the test, and, and we, we put this test up quite often. If, if our life is, is on display, two different fruit come out, two different responses. And when we get squeezed, it's not if, when. Either we're going to get, we're going to be immoral, we're going to be impure, we're going to be idolaters or angry, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, all of these things, drunkenness. These are the things that, that can come out in a negative side, if Christ isn't manifesting himself. But if Christ is in us, we have a reservoir that we can call on of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And this is what comes out. So this is what people see. That's works of the flesh, works of the spirit. You know, uh, that's objective evidence. That's objective. We don't like to think of it that way, but when someone acts in any one of these ways, we note it. Others note it. And we should be aware that, that that's something that we're passing across. You know, uh, in our lives, we, in our country particularly, and this is one of my pet hobby horses, beware of false prophets or leaders who come in sheep's clothing. Uh, as, as they come in sheep's clothing, you'll recognize them by their fruit. You know, in choosing our friends, and choosing people to marry, in choosing people we vote for, look for their fruit. If you see disputes, anger, dissension, finger-pointing, ungodly or unbiblical solutions to their problems, well, then you can be pre pretty sure that they're failing the love test. Uh, it's, it's fruit. It's objective. It's in front of them. One other objective test, and this is one we used a couple weeks ago, is our attitude toward other people. We, we put this slide up, and I say quite often in marriage counseling, and I encourage everyone to make this one of your go-to verses if you're sitting before God and, and, and you want a refresher course. Uh, don't be selfish. Don't have am selfish ambition, conceit, humility. Are others more important than yourself? Are we looking out for our interest or, or out of love showing others? Do we have the mind in us and the attitude which was in Christ Jesus, who, who left heaven, gave up his life for us? Would How many people in our family would say, oh, man, that's you? That's, this is a challenging standard that we're shooting for. And, and by the way, we're never all perfect, but our kids know our heart. Our parents know our heart by the way we act, our neighbors, our friends, our mates. Do we lay ourselves down? Are we obedient to the point of dying to serve them? It's undeniable proof. We, we made this list two weeks ago, and I asked Tina to change it uh, a little bit. But the next slide turns out, and it talks about evidence of man's love and evidence of God's love. In that verse we just read, one is prideful. People keep control. Humble. People give, to show love, they give up control. Selfish ambition is man's love. Unselfish is about others. It just goes conceit versus uh, pride, then humility on the other side. 
What's the focus of our lives, us or others? Are we consider, do we consider ourselves equal to God? Or do we submit to God? It, the list goes on. Do we maintain a high self-esteem and public image so people esteem us? Or do we lay our lives down? These are valid tests, and I encourage you, uh, whether it's through the bulletin or whether it's through the app or whether it's through wherever you can find, these are, these are good things to sit and qualify. Look at how we doing. And now, uh, take the next step. Because God's love in us will define our relationship with everyone else. Without God's love in us, that will define our relationship with everyone else. Do we, do we show Christ? How does, how does that happen? You know, is, is our love laid down by that is what people would say. If we have material resources and the ability to help someone else, do we do it? And again, so often the question, at least when it runs by me, uh, in my mind, I say, can I do it? Should I do it? Why aren't I doing it? If, if, if we look at a valid need, we, we should be thinking about how we can meet it. Not just talking about it, but doing it, actually. So how do we, how do we bring that about? How do we get that nature of Christ in us? And here's where the, we get some tough sledding. Well, we got to die. If my old nature uh, is sinful, corrupt, selfish, and prideful, well, I got to take that old dude out and shoot it. And I got to replace it with Christ. And you see, that's, this is the, the challenge of Christianity. Someone has to die. Because if I want Christ to live in me, this is not a duplex. When you're looking at this body, this is not a duplex. There, there, there can't be Christ and me in here at the same time. Someone's got to get evicted. And we get to choose who that is. Uh, is, it, is it us and our desires? Do we get evicted or, or do we just ignore Christ and go forward that way? To put on the new nature, we have to have Christ living. Listen to that verse. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life we live in the flesh, we live by faith, who loved me. Christ lives through us. Can you imagine that standard, that calling? That's Christ. That's before us. We've been crucified with him. And also, we know the second half. This is the first half of biblical Christianity. The second half is we follow and obey him. We lovingly do what he says you know we live in a kind of an age of rebellion because everyone's taught that all authority is bad when it comes to christ we don't run and hide from his commands we seek them out look for them get instructions we go to church to find out how to apply you guys have have, have actually come and i read the bible and you read the bible to learn how to apply and we we want to obey we want to get close to him uh that's the second half of biblical Christianity. We die and we give all of our lives to Christ. We don't hold out TV. We don't hold out Facebook. We don't hold out pornography or, or any of the other stuff that we have. We, we lay it all down for him. Clear, objective hope and evidence that we have is that don't grieve the Holy Spirit that's in us. 
I won't say, I, I really, I, I actually, I, I wrote three messages this week. Uh, you're very lucky I picked the short one. Uh, but this idea of grieving God, it just captured me for a whole day, and I just couldn't do anything but type and position myself before God and understand that when, when sin abounds, God grieves. It hurts him because it hurts his kids. You know, and we grieve the Holy Spirit that's in us. And one of, we should love our neighbors, and we should love our enemies. This is this huge stuff. We have to search our heart. You know, and, and one of the things that was in there is loving our enemy and, and praying for those who persecute us. You know, that's, that's this huge deal. Let all bitterness and wrath. I've told this story before, but it certainly impacted and changed my life, and always good for inventory for all of us. I was visiting someone in the hospital. They call, I was called down there. I, I didn't really know this lady. I, was, I got to know her and her family members. And, but her, her son was sitting in the lobby. And uh, she's dying. She's on hospice, very short time to live. And one of the family members, do you want me to go get so-and-so? And just her countenance changed. No, I don't want him in this room or anywhere near me. She chose hell. She chose hell. When we choose not to forgive, and you can go back to your history, I don't care if it's a parent, I don't care if it's an abuser, I don't care uh, if it's an ex, uh, in-law, outlaw, father-in-law, any, whoever it may be, ex, whatever, if you're caring and packing heat and choosing that's not love. This is, and this is objective. This is measurable. Forgive others, even our enemies. Huge challenge. But we should do that because Christ forgave us while we were yet sinners and enemies. Being a follower of Christ radically transforms us. We feel so often you go to a, a crusade and you say a sinner's prayer. Maybe it takes... 20 seconds at the moment you feel like I really mean this but then you walk out the door and it seems to fade no a true commitment to Christ radically transforms us from the inside out we become new creations we get a new spirit we get a new heart we get new power to understanding God's love if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in us he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to our mortal bodies through the Spirit who indwells us. We will change. Sometimes the radical change is so much people will say, well, who was the body snatcher that took that person away? You know, we live in the age of the apocalypse or whatever they call it, the zombie apocalypse. And really Christians are part of the zombie apocalypse, I guess, if you say it in a positive way. Christ lives through us. We've got a new spirit, I guess, uh, we're dead and, and still living, but it's Christ that lives through us. Don't hold me theologically that what I just said, okay? There'll be questions afterwards. Kind of leave that one out kindly. Uh, but he lives through us. That's the reality. So what's the summary and application today? What's our love for God? What's our experience with God? He demonstrated his love for us. Are we loving God with with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, 
No mirrors, no, no, no smoke, no kidding, back and forth. This isn't hidden and removed. It shouldn't be hidden and removed from us. It certainly isn't from those around us. Are we unselfishly serving other people? Are we laying our lives down? And, and how do we keep God alive in us? And this is where, uh, this is a real pragmatic, pragmatic daily test. Have we examined ourselves first to make sure we're a Christian? The overwhelming majority, uh, high percentage, anywhere 70% of the people in our, our country believe they're Christians because they were born here or may said a prayer as a youth or something. But what is it, less than 3% in the general population, under 20, 0% understand biblical Christianity. So we should ask ourselves, does the love inside of us manifest the evidence that we're part of Christ? And do we remain in Christ? Because he says we have to remain in him. We have to abide in him and his word. We have to open ourselves up and open our heart and, and open our Bible and spend time with the living God so he can refresh us uh, inside of our lives. Abide in his word. And, and then we can connect with God. And one of the things that we've talked about quite often here is a daily time with God. I encourage a daily study time, our daily our, our study guide for each service. Excellent resource. We've got them in the back, hard, hard copy, but they're also on our website. They're on your phone app. You can each day prepare for it. And also another resource, which is on our website, is a daily heart check. Uh, every day, sit down and do a daily heart check. It, it talks about are we connecting with God? It talks about each of these things we go through. Am I allowing Jesus to search me and sow my sins? And it gives verses to pray. Uh, are we looking at truth? Uh, what's the fruit of our life? And it lists them. Love, joy, peace, patience, or dissension disputes. Am I anxious, worried, stressed? Am I angry with anyone? And the last question is, am I being honest with myself? Check that regularly. It's, it's a great resource. We've gone through literally hundreds of them, encouraging people to use them. Uh, and finally, the solution. Tell people about Jesus. You know, we're going we're gonna to change this world one heart at a time. And I'm going to be blunt. And uh, we don't, we, we know the signs of the times. Anyone who looks at what's going on in our country, we have obvious evidence, objective evidence that God is spanking us. You know, I asked, uh, I love this slide. The elephant in the room. The elephant in the room for anyone, I just finished, I'm, I'm reading through the Old Testament as I always am. Going, I just finishing Hosea, went to Jeremiah, oh my goodness. Does it describe our country? You know, God has shut up the heavens. He's sent COVID. He sent pestilence. He's done all of these things. We've They've come at us. He's in charge. Stop, people. These are not times to hold back. These are times as Christians to get our game on and, and tell people about Christ. You know, uh, 
he's in charge. What, what do we do? How do we do this? What, how do we go forward? We need to tell people about him. You know, 30 years ago, we, we started a church with, a, with an idea of reaching out to people that didn't know Christ, to changing lives, because that's what the world needed then. And oh boy, does it need it now. Uh, the elephant in the room is that we've fallen from God as a nation. You and I, it's our job, our, our slogan, changing Ridgecrest one heart at a time. This is, you know, our love can draw people. We can point them to Christ, change their lives, change our city, change our nation, change our political system. You know, we shouldn't be wearing that hat. That, not that we shouldn't be wearing the hat. The MAGA hat, uh, make America great again. Great idea. But how about if you want America to be great, make America godly again. And then we'll be great again. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for selecting this time on this earth to send us to Ridgecrest, California that we might be your witnesses that we might demonstrate your love your power, your hope to other people Lord, forgive us we're a sinful nation we've rejected you we've commanded you out of our schools we've sent our, our, to, our kids are trained by television and media and all resources Lord to be little humanists with false idols, false worship, that we've exalted them to the position of godhood in their lives. You know, as parents, let us have wisdom to, to show love to our kids, to love them enough to bring them to you. Let us, as followers of Christ, let your love flow through us that others might be transformed. We thank you and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. On Saturday night is question time, so you're in charge of questions, right? Well, okay, I'm in charge of questions. Actually, Anyone, this is, is kind of fun because we've got we've got two audiences. We've got our live audience here in the church right now. So if you guys have got questions, I'm actually going to help repeat them because we've also got an audience live um, online. So they'll be able to hear your questions. And then also just to remind those of you who are watching from home, we still have the text phone. So if you would like to go ahead and uh, text in a question, we've got the Number here, 301-4840. Um, you could actually even do that from here, too, if you'd like. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, any questions for tonight? Mr. Ronnie. Okay, let me just uh, repeat what the question was. Is in, in light of what is going on in our world today with demonstrations, um, looting, rioting, all of the negativity, as Christians, we're commanded to love, but how do we control our emotions in the middle of all of that? Well, first off, God is grieved and pained over looting, burning, damage. Uh, he, just as he's grieved over injustice inside of our society. Uh, do we need to make an adjustment? Are uh, demonstrations okay? Yeah. Are peaceful demonstrations? Yep, absolutely guaranteed. Looting, all of that, we, we do need to be able to enforce laws and sanity um, as we go forward so i agree now one of the things and, and this is the hard part my friend 
because it's a hard part for me. I don't watch those videos anymore. I'm not mature enough to watch them. If I'm not mature enough to watch them without getting a guttural reaction or a gut reaction, which is not something that God would have. God, when Jesus was here, he walked through corruption uh, all around him. So um, I would just, by the way, well, not being political, Ronnie, thank you. Uh, there's so much room where each, each city can put together a supervisory board to, to help investigate any, any claims. And it has to be balanced. We're not looking for rabble-rousers. We're looking for honest people that could evaluate uh, complaints from the public and complaints from the police of different situations. We need to, we need to do better. I don't know if I can define better uh, other than us loving. Pardon? No, uh, by the way, it, because you're bothered, probably not. Because that's what you're saying. Is, hey, this bothers me because it bothers God. Now, his response, it's not that we're not bothered. It's, I think his response is to deploy love. Not against the lawbreaker. I mean, he loves the lawbreaker, so don't misunderstand me. But how can I say it? Those of us who have been in the game for a while, there are inequities where the God-given ability for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is not equal across all demographics, economic groups, and everything else. I could go, let's just leave the political side and the race side. It is immoral for 2% of the people to control 98% of the wealth in this country. That's just immoral. And uh, I'm not going to go out and demonstrate against Bill Gates. I may ask him for a grant, but <laughs> I'm not going to go. But there, there's more, you know, again, it, it's everything in our media is, is geared to stir us up to a particular political opinion that they have. And most of the people that do the damage on those demonstrations are from outside. They're either from the white supremacist group uh, the, the fascist or the anti-fascist group that we now have then they both, their goal is just to re sow chaos and bring anarchy So our because they hate our country. So anyway, thanks for asking. I really got myself into enough trouble there. We'll just go right ahead. <laughs> so, but just to be clear, what I'm hearing is that, because that it, it does bother God, so if we, if, if we do have an emotion of anger or sadness towards the situation, towards the sin of the situation, yes. as long as we're not calling people names and... and right. Okay, so. Again, God, again the, the simple answer that was in my notes, in one of the messages that I wrote, is that God loves the sinner, hates the sin. And we have to keep that balance, and that's, that's the way we have. Thank you very much. Nancy Workout, yeah. yeah. Right. I've got so many of my friends that come to Bill, you're right. I'm not mature enough to watch the news. <laughs> and so. Okay. Can I ask a question? We're two minutes early. Go. I know, right? Okay. So on, um, in light of tonight's message, relationship with God, um, so how, when would you say personally was the moment that you understood what a relationship with God looks like? Because I think right now, 
Um, in today's society, relationships are so messed up, if I could be biblical on that, <laughs> um, that t- putting two, those two together, having an actual relationship with God, I didn't even know, I had never had had those words put together until I came to this church. And then even at the beginning, I didn't even really know what that looked like. So how would you say, like, personally, you transitioned from into that? First off, to understand the relationship with God, I don't. It is so far beyond my comprehension to, to understand the, the love of God, the wisdom of God, the insight of God. So I, I don't, no one's got a lot grip on that. Uh, it became life-changing when I saw that I was part of the problem in my marriage, in my family, in my attitude toward other people. And then Christ came in because uh, I was changing rapidly because I was a new Christian. But I don't know, that, that's not the answer to your question. But it, there's, there was that point that uh, I, that wasn't, how'd that happen? I remember my wife and I had the gift of arguing for weeks at a time. I, you won, both. right, Miss Ronnie? <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring her in here. <laughs> Keep that mask on. The <laughs> but I, I remember one time, and, and we, we would, over the period of our time of growth, our arguments were shorter and shorter. And I remember one time having, I'm sorry. That was, that, was a, that was a data point for me that, that Christ had done a work. My language went away. That wasn't hard. Uh, I, don't know why, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that answers anything. But yeah. I want, Rondi really figured it out before me. How's that? I'll make her look good. No. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Well, thank you for that, sir. Anything else? All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for those of you who are watching online. Again, please don't forget, we always have the text phone, so if you ever come up with anything throughout the week, um, just let us know.